welcome to Golf Only Better as we look ahead to the year's first major championship. It is, of course, the Masters, and I'm delighted to be joined once again, as always, by Ben Coley of SportingLife.com and Betfair golf tipster Dave Tyndall. Guys, welcome to you both. We had good fun as we looked ahead to the Players' Championship a few weeks ago. Now it's time to turn our attention to Augusta National. And I guess, Dave, let's start first of all with you for our preview uh, this month's podcast. It kind of feels like we're getting back to some sort of normality, doesn't it? We had the the November edition of the Masters in 2020, and then we had last year, COVID still very much a factor. Does it not feel like for you now, right, we're kind of, you know, the azaleas are in full bloom, it's the first major, the, the sights, the sounds of Augusta National. It's going to be, it's going to feel a bit more normal this time around, is it not? Yeah, I think so. 2020 was just weird, however you look at it. It had a weird winning score that was too, too good. Um and then because 2021 came so quickly after that, that somehow didn't seem as special. So we've had the normal 12-month gap, that big anticipation. You know, the last major was back in July, so we've been rubbing our hands, waiting. And that's always part of the build-up, I think, for the Masters, that you've had such that big wait between majors. So, yeah, absolutely raring to go. Definitely. Ben, for you, do you feel like this is one of the most eagerly anticipated Masters in, in recent history? Yeah, 100%. And... I'm so important. Dave and I cancelled our game of snooker for it. So, um, yeah, um, <laughs> one of the most open as well. You know, we. it feels like um, this year has been sort of slightly odd in yeah. that the big names haven't all fired, but we've actually just got some new big names. Um, but that all the big names really, in some way, shape or form, have suggested they are ready to win the Masters. It's not like they're all in hopeless form. They just haven't won yet. And to me, it feels like well, one of them for one of them that will change this week. So yeah, it's it's fantastic, and obviously that's that's without even Tiger Woods, the biggest name of all. Um, so um, whatever happens with him will only add to it. But it's uh, yeah, can't wait to get going. Definitely. Who normally wins the snooker battle between you two, by the way? Uh, Dave Tindall, uh, probably nine times in ten, I would say. <laughs> We'll await the result of the next one then. Uh, Dave, it's, it's true, isn't it? And again, we talked about it with the, with the Players' Championship. The changing of the guard, if you like, a lot of the young names in the game have been making their presence felt. And I still find it bizarre to think that Scotty Scheffler, taking nothing away from what he's achieved, those three brilliant victories against Stella Fields, that Scotty Scheffler, we have a new world number one. It, it kind of took a lot of people by surprise and... It's still, for me, I can't quite get my head around it. Do you, do you do you sort of agree? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, if if you had a sort of golf fan who was sort of interested and kept up a bit, but for some reason had been away for a couple of months, and you said Scotty Scheffler, they would say, oh, yeah, that guy who's never won before. Yeah, and then you yeah, have to yeah. say, well, actually, he's yeah. won three times since you last looked, and he's now world number one. It seems, what? doesn't seem Crazy. quite right, does it, that you can go from never winning to a to be world number one so quick. I don't think he's quite got his head around it, which okay. I don't know whether is a bad thing or a good thing um, because he's, I don't know, he's, he's he's prepared himself to be number one. Sometimes you can over-prepare and when it hits you, you think, oh my God, what to do? So it is a bit odd, but, you know, people get higher up the rankings quick, don't you? Colin Morikawa got up right up there quick. Victor Hovland's got as high as number three really quickly. So if you get on a run, you can really charge up those mm-hmm. world rankings and, and and maybe in our heads, we've got someone like Justin Thomas, who should be a top three player. And he's down at number seven, I think. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit, a bit a bit strange if you've taken your eye off the ball slightly in golf to look at those world rankings. Definitely. But fair play to him. All credit. The hot 
man in golf right now. Incredible performance. And uh, yeah, well, number one. Uh, ben, you touched on it there, Tiger Woods. I mean, social media's gone uh, nuts the last few days with the anticipation. I mean, when he when he turned up, when he teed it up at the PNC Championship in December with his son, Charlie, many people couldn't believe that he was there. He had the, the use of a golf cart, though, of course. Augusta National, the Masters, it's only April. Can you quite believe that after what he's been through, after the, the car incident, the, the major surgery, the injury, that he is even, there's a, there's a chance? And, and let's be honest, I mean, my personal perspective, the fact he's there, the fact he's practising, I'd say he's pretty much odds on to, to tee it up. Would you agree? And can you quite believe that, that he potentially will be playing in the year's first major? Yeah, I think he'll play, like you say, and um, it's amazing to me. I, I think if you'd have asked me during that PNC challenge where he looked pretty good, you know, obviously mobility wasn't great, but in, in terms of the swing and, and the shots he was hitting, albeit under very different conditions, he, he did look good. I'd have said, yeah, looks like he'll play the Masters, but I didn't think he'd not play anything in between. Um, so two weeks ago, I'd, I was firmly in the camp of he won't play. Um, you know, the one thing about Tiger Woods, you don't underestimate him. Um, that's kind of, rule number one isn't it so I'm not going to make any bold predictions about you know missing the cut or um you know struggling to maybe his highest August around and stuff like that it's all on the table I think but so is something spectacular because it's Tiger Woods um I, I tend to think it's it's an enormous ask and I think the biggest problem is that um he's not allowed a car unless they throw in a last minute rule change here which, which would catch us all off guard but um you know you two have been there. I mean, Augusta's one of the hardest walks in golf. If you're 25 and fit, it'll wear you out. If you're his age and, you know, you nearly lost a leg 18 months ago, less than 18 months ago, it, it seems like an enormous ask. Uh, but if anyone can do it, Tiger can. And it adds a, a nice layer to, to the story, doesn't it? We're not really talking about will he win, will he not win. We're talking about will he play. And in itself, that's still a massive story. It is. And yeah, you're right. I, I think people have been saying, well, you know, what's... He's going to sort of test himself. It's not that. It's the physicality, isn't it, Dave? It, as Ben said, it, it you know it, it's undulating. You, you don't always quite get that when you watch the TV pictures. But he's he's putting himself to the test physically, isn't he? That that's it. He's saying, can can my body hold up to the task? He's not just going to turn up to, you know, to fill out the numbers. He, he, realistically, he's only going to be there if he thinks he can give it a really good crack. And what will be your prediction this week, uh, Dave, yeah. for the Tiger? Yeah, I mean, he has that element, doesn't he? He, he sort of wanted to. He's sort of a frustrated Navy SEAL, isn't he? He, want, he loves going into battle and sort of showing off his war wounds, and it's a big thing for him to sort of overcome them. We saw him win on one leg in two thousand and eight, the US Open, famously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, as Ben said, I've been to the course, and you know, I, I was wheezing walking up to that eleventh tee. That's so high up, and it's so <laughs> tough to get it. You know, you do think. Oh, good luck to him there. I remember, I think it was Brooks Kepka this time last year. He just had a knee operation. Yeah. And there were lots of the same questions were put to him about, oh, how will you find that walk? And he batted them away, but he did miss the cut. So, yeah, it's not the best course to come back on if you, if walking becomes difficult for you. But I, I suppose Tiger's got his own rules, hasn't he? How will he do? Again, I don't want to say something, then this clip will be used on, on some future. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> it's it on the fence. He <laughs> got it completely wrong. I, I, I'd be slightly surprised if he made the cut. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. as far as I'll go. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that he could have 
just Dave saying about the undulations made me think that he could have just chosen St. Andrews. I mean, you can walk that, no problem. Um, and that, you know, he's famous moments there as well. So that maybe is an indication that he does feel a bit better about his, his, his general fitness than, than we might think. Yeah, and I remember when at the PNC, I remember we talked about it in the Sky Studio and the, the, so the general consensus was probably would return at St. Andrews. You know, because in the way he was talking, he said, you know, might be might be teeing it up here with Charlie, but I'm a long way from, you know, from competitive action and and being able to tee it up on the PJ Tour and in majors. So, yeah. But like you said, you cannot discount Tiger Woods and the social media uh, bonanza. Mayhem will continue over the next couple of days and uh, we shall see. As he said, he will make a game time decision. So but I think we all agree we expect him to play. But how will he do? Well, we will find out over the next uh, few days. Now, Dave Tindall, let's talk about your Masters Trends uh, uh, feature, which is on the website. Had a good look at that. Just talk me through your methodology, first of all, in, in sort of at the end of it all, you've got different categories, different statistics. You, you, you look potentially who will come out on top come late Sunday. Talk us through the process, though, and how that, how that thinking came about. Yeah, normally in the past few years, I've done a kind of, if you, if you don't meet one statistical hurdle, ask you out. So, for example, because only one 40-something, that being Tiger, had won in the last 10 years, I kind of struck a line to anyone 40 or over. But I thought, in hindsight, maybe that's a bit harsh, because what if they were good in all the other areas? So this time I'd, I'd made it into a point system and used a kind of frequency-type idea of thinking. So, say, five 30-somethings had won in the last 10 years. I would give five points to any 30-something this time. So the, the categories I went with, um, well, well, the ideal candidate, let's say, would be in their 30s. This is based on you know, how, how often this happens in the last 10 years. So the ideal candidate in their 30s, top 20 in the world rankings, mm -hmm. at least three masters, had a top 10 in the event, have shot a 67 or lower at Augusta, not the defending champion or a former masters winner. That's a little bit... A little bit controversial, but we, I think 15 of the last 16 Masters winners are, are different names. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of, of current form, they've had a top 15 in a stroke play event in either March or April. They've had a top six in one of the majors in, the, in one of the last two years to show they can crack it at this level. And then bringing in a little bit of sort of more uh, current form or, or stats that people are a bit more on board with. Um, because it's, you know, they say you've got to hit it a long way. If you're in the top 25 in the driving distance stats, you get maximum points, and then that's graded down where you are. And also, I think strokes gained around the green, that's a really important stat this week. So if you're in the top 25 for that, you get maximum points and, and down and down. So, yes, it came up with a, a list of um, not too, you know, you're not overly surprised by who it's thrown up, but... Um, but even so, I thought it was quite an interesting to see who did come out on top. And are we are we revealing that slowly, or shall I just say it? <laughs> yeah, so it was um, it was Rory McIlroy who came out on top, um, which I don't know. I didn't quite think. I thought he'd be in the top five, but he came out out on top just above Justin Thomas. <laughs> and because I wrote it last week, because the the stats categories they change. Uh, Justin Thomas is now tied second with Xander Schaffele, so they were the top three um, in the trend. So we shall see. McElroy has come out on top. Uh, ben, thoughts on the on the on the feature and the man who has come out number one? 
I'm obviously a very big fan of the feature. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, it's um, the, the great thing about the Masters above all else um, of the other majors is we can do that. We can look at last year, the year before. You know, you got some out. You could say maybe November was obviously very different, but conditions change year upon year. And yet people come back and, and produce it, don't they? And, and you know, t- Tony Finau would be one example. Like, I think three top tens in, in three April Masters. And he's arrived in all kinds of different form in all kinds of different places, but he's the right guy for it, clearly. And uh, and pieces like that throw it up. And, you know, the last two Masters, I've tipped Rory and JT. So it'd be fair to say I'm firmly in their camp. And and Schofler this year is kind of feels like it's the first time in a while no one's talking about him. And I, I do wonder if that might help him a little bit as well. Definitely. You talk about the stats. Let's just talk, Augusta, before we get specifically into the bets and the tips and who, who we're thinking for this week. Augusta national as, as a test and Davey just mentioned that their strokes gained around the green you talk about the, the runoff areas we talk about the undulating um, putting surfaces a lot of people always say talk about this year and year, year out you know second shot golf course got to be pinpoint with your with your iron play a lot of people say the discussion we've had you know Martin Keimer famously tried to change his typical shot shape you know players who draw the ball right to lefters typically having a bit of an advantage around there. Dave, what would you say some of the sort of the key performance stats for succeeding around Augusta National are? Yeah, the, the strokes gain stats that a lot of um, punters use nowadays, we haven't got very many of them for Augusta um, because they're just they're hard to find. But we did get them last year. And when I went through them, strokes gain around the green, which is normally the kind of the one stat you can bin because it doesn't really make much of a difference. But at Augusta, it really did. Um, I think seven of the top 11 last year and the top 10 for strokes gained around the green. So you do need that bit of magic in your wrists, as they say. And so that immediately, you look down that category and you see uh, Victor Hovland, is he still bottom, Ben? I think he's just way down. And uh, and whereas I think you might think of him, oh, he's got lots of things going for him. That does kind of put in, into your mind that, oh, that, that could be difficult for him. Certainly, driving distance is always up there. But I don't, I don't think you have to be. It just helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't rule out anybody who, who doesn't hit it at a country mile because a, a lot of players do hit it at still not quite a country mile, but a fair mile. Um, yeah, and then the irons. The shot shapes are, 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 are sort of one you can argue about. Jack Nicholas always said you had to hit a draw and he hit a draw on about 10 of the 14 mm-hmm. tee shots. I mean... When I've been there, number 10 is one where you absolutely have to bend it around the corner. 13 as well. And maybe that's why left-handers have done so well, because that's an easier shot for them just to get a, a fade around the corner. Sure. Um, but yeah, but then there's also a theory that with your second shots in, you need to play it left or right uh, to get more control. So various things, um, but it, it's a bit dangerous to nail yourself so too much to, to be too beholden by one particular angle. Otherwise, you'll talk yourself out of everybody on one level. Definitely. Ben, for you as well, I think it's quite interesting looking at the weather forecast. How does that play into your thinking for what's needed this time around? It's supposed to be a little chilly over the weekend and the wind is supposed to be a bit of a, a bit of a factor. What what considerations do we have to give with that regard? It does look like it'll be a tough renewal. Um, it's also going to rain a lot um, in, the, in the days before the tournament. And I know we'll talk about the sub-air system, but... They, they can dry out the greens they can get rid of water and things like that they can't stop them being receptive and and the fairways in particular um at augusta we, we you know anyone who watches it year on year will know by now probably that they mow the grass to make sure the ball doesn't run too far I mean, it'd be fantastic if they didn't because i'd love to see the balls bouncing a bit more at augusta but um 
I, I think your drives are going to be landing pretty much where, stopping pretty much where they land this week. And it could play really long. I know Rory Rory went there a week ago and said he hit four iron into 11. Now, okay, you're never hitting wedge into 11, but there will be times when he's hitting eight iron. Um, yeah. And to be hitting a four iron, I mean, you, you're looking at getting a three wood in the hands of Webb Simpson there. So, you know, uh, T's been pushed back into the left. They've taken a couple of trees out, which might help. But it, all of it, it seems to me, every time you hear about these changes, I think we're well, just helping the guys who hit it a long way, yeah. um, you know, versus the others. But as Dave has alluded to, these days, really, you're kind of shifting the window because most guys hit it a long way, right? Yeah. Like Vic, the fact we talk about Victor Hovland is not necessarily a bomber. Well, he hits a lot further than most players did 10 years ago. So, um, yeah, I, I would go towards a longer hitter, but second shot course. But with regarding the weather, um, I, I just think it'll make it harder. That's the main thing for me. Definitely. Just picking up on the McElroy point then, Dave, that the the career Grand Slam has weighed heavily that the the challenge of trying to achieve the career Grand Slam for Rory McIlroy. The fact he potentially may be a little bit under the radar even this time around, you know, we're still waiting for kind of him to fire on all cylinders. But what, Dave, what does he deal with every time he turns up now at the Masters trying to achieve something so special in the game of golf? Yeah, I think I can recall a number of years it was this story, wasn't it? If it wasn't Tiger, it'd be, can Rory get the green jacket and complete the career Grand Slam. Now Rory's little story, a massive story in some sense, but it's another story, isn't it? There's so many storylines that Rory's is just another one that is quite a nice little hook if you're a journalist, but I don't think it's like the everyone is talking about it. Um, the problem being, if he, if he hits the front too soon, then they do talk about it. So if you were Rory, you'd almost be better just hanging back a few shots off the pace. But then again, when he's won his majors, he's, he tends to have put down an early score, shot a really low one, and he's been right up there. So, yeah, you kind of think, I mean, it's, it's, it's 11 years now, isn't it, since he, he did that yeah. collapse in 2011. You think, you think somehow it won't come into his mind, but I, I don't know, it, it does. I mean, it, as soon as I put that trends piece out on Twitter, I got a lot of, yeah, but what about the trend that says about his head and, and yeah, think, well, yeah. I can't really come up with one for that. So, <laughs> you know, Rory has, has been around the houses with it. He's, this time he's tried playing the week before. That's, yeah. I don't think he's done that since 2014. So you never know. You never know. It is an issue with him um, that it is in his head, but he's so good. I mean, he's had other events where, you know, things have been in his head and he's still got over the line. I still got faith in him. He will win one. He will absolutely. And every year I back him for the Masters, and yeah. it, it's tough because it's a it's a sort of heart potential maybe overhead because I, I kind of know and I've spoken to him at Augusta about kind of how it does weigh heavily on him, and that, that he's just going to have to put up, you know, until he until he breaks through, until he slips on that green jacket, which hopefully he will. He's the questions come each year, and it's it's tough. But the expectation is there. I mean expectation in sport it's a heck of a thing to have to try and handle Ben though for you let's talk specifically about sort of your main fancies uh, for this week the sports book incidentally uh, paying 10 places uh, this year for each way bets in the winner market so um so do get on board but Ben for you your, your main fancies for this week where's the where you seeing top of the market and maybe some of the outsiders as well what what's your thinking regarding um some of the key tips for Augusta National yeah, I mean, it is such a competitive renewal. I think you could actually argue for about five different players being the favourite, which is actually quite rare. Um, 
you know, usually there is a standout. Amazingly, Bryson was favourite back in the 2020 edition ahead of DJ. And obviously DJ made that look rather silly uh, with such a brilliant performance. He's one of those that you can make a very good case for. He seems to have come back into some form. I really thought I might be going with Kepka for the last few weeks because, again, you know, the last time he played here without an injury was 2019 when he, he could well have been the one to spoil the Tiger party, but for what happened at 12. Um, the one I'm going with is Justin Thomas. Um, I, I have to stick with him. I've gone with him the last couple of years. I think he has a perfect game for this. Um, you know, his ball striking at Augusta has been exceptional down the years. He's not had a good putting week, really, um, which is something that will have to change. But, you know, all the the obvious things are there. He's a brilliant approach play. He comes out well on Dave's trends exactly because of how well he, he does around the greens as well. His experience, his age now as well. The fact that this is his seventh try is not a negative, whereas in other events it might be, you, you know, a bit of innocence might uh, might go a long way, but not necessarily here. But the I guess the the, the small factor which changes things potentially for him and, and would be the story if he were to win it, was that he has bones on his bag. And, um, you know, he's not the only one there. Scotty Scheffler's got Ted Scott, who's won this twice with Bubba yeah. Watson. But um, bones being on the bag, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about Steve Williams and, and Adam Scott. Um, and you ask Adam Scott, and certainly if you ask, ask Steve Williams, he'll tell you that that part in the playoff that Adam Scott made to win it against Ankel Cabrera, Adam Scott would have missed that part. And Steve Williams stepped in and, and gave him a, a different read. I think he told him to hit it a bit further outside the hole and he did and it went in and it's those small things like obviously that's one example and there are loads of loads of others where it didn't work out but I can really see it happening for JT this week um, and I think of all the players at the top of the game he's kind of had that really nice preparation where you do everything apart from win um, and hopefully it comes together for him here just it kind of reminds me of his preparation for the players last year when he was just awesome that weekend and if he can play as well as he did over those final 36 at Sawgrass here at Augusta will be okay I think I totally agree he was my in terms of looking at sort of the winner this week JT's kind of my, my bet my pick for this week Dave you you look at what he's done as as Ben said he's he's been trending hasn't he he's been doing all the right things and would you not agree that the creativity, I think the, the way that Justin Thomas is now showing the maturity with his game, yeah, bones on the bag's a massive factor, but the creativity around Augusta National that he now shows in his game and, and will possess this week is pretty special, isn't it? You know, the, the runoff areas, tight lies. He's a magician, isn't he, around the greens? I guess the question mark would be for JT, trying to get some consistency on the greens. Yeah, that would be the, the one area that I'd be worried about. I suppose, yeah, he's. I think he's got a great chance. I suppose if I was playing devil's advocate, I would say he's played in seven Masters and only had one top ten. Mm-hmm. I think, I know I know. Ben was saying it's not a negative to have played seven times, but is it a negative to have not made the top ten in six of those? Again, maybe there's more pressure on him, on him than maybe not to Rory levels, but every year people are thinking, come on, Justin Thomas, everything's perfect for you. It's almost when everyone says it's perfect, you then have to try and prove that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that can get in his head a little bit. So it's a slight devil's advocate argument I'm making there. But yeah, I think he's got every chance, really do. Definitely. When we look at the sportsbook and the exchange this week as well, for the Masters Exchange, always the home of bigger prices and better value. And Betfair have provided the best odds on the Masters since 2018. So Ben, let's look a little further down. Good value in terms of maybe we've heard about Xander Schofle as well in, in Dave's um, trends piece. 
Daniel Berger at say 33 to one on the sports book. Shane Lowry, 33 to one. Just going a little further down as well. Uh, Mark Leishman in the 40s, quite like that. Matt Fitzpatrick, Paul Casey, Tyrrell Hatton in the 40s as well. Where's some value in terms of the, the betting options this week? I'm hoping Shane Lowry, and, and I must admit, I kind of thought I was on a bit of a sneaky one here. And everywhere I look today, people are saying Shane Lowry for the Masters. So obviously, I've, I've, I've not exactly been unique with this one. But um, he's one of those that will never come out particularly well on, on trends and things like that because his best finish, is here, finish here is 21st. Um, he did make a very, very good start, I think, back in 2016. Um, but the key for me is he's played it twice since he's been a major champion, really elevated his status within the sport. And he, he has played much better, 25th in the November edition, which would have been easier than he'd want it. And then 21st last year. He needs to step up again, but his approach play was really good last year. He said that he'd learned a lot from playing with Tiger the previous November. So I'm hoping that kind of makes it more robust. It makes it something that could continue. And I just love how he's playing. I, I think sometimes we we can get a little bit lost and definitely myself included. And the, probably the number one predictor at the Masters generally speaking, I would say is how well are you playing? You know, DJ was red hot coming into here. Uh, Patrick Reed, he'd done everything but win before he came and won this. Sergio had won earlier in the year. Bobber had won earlier in the year. You know, Adam Scott had found form again. I, I think those guys who just are at the absolute top of their games, peaking for this week, and and I think Shane is one of those. You know, he's one of the best tee to green players in the world right now, which um, just says how well he's playing. And, you know, he's got all the experience. He's a major champion. He's got magic hands. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a bit shorter than I kind of expected, but I do love him and I'm going to stick with him. Yeah, good shout. And again, that creativity around the around the greens. Dave, for you, where's some where's the value when we're looking at, at the sports book and the exchange this week? Yeah, just quickly on Lowry, if, it, if it's bad weather on the weekend as well, that won't do yeah. any harm. Yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've gone with Xander Schaffle. Um, he was 22 to one when I wrote my preview. Again, he. He, he's, his major record is ridiculous. He, he's, he's only played in 18. He's made the top 10 in nine. Six of those were top fives. So, you know, he's done that in windy weather at the Open. He's been runner-up. I mean, in, in the last three editions of this, he's got a second and a third. That, that year, Tiger one, he was actually tied for the lead, I think, walking off the 16th green. Um, and then last year, he, back to the 16th, he put it in the water, didn't he? But he, he did say... He's flushed that shot. It's not so he shanked it or anything. He just, it just wasn't the shot needed at, at, at that time. It just didn't go for him. So he's someone I think can have a have a huge week. He's just so good in the majors. Even if you look at his performances in Georgia, he's won the Tour Championship. He's got a brilliant record there. So when I when I was looking, I think he's come in the top three in his five of his last six starts in Georgia. So a little part of the country that he loves. Maybe his form isn't absolutely brilliant, but he was third in Phoenix, 12th at the Valspar, 13th Riviera, which is always a good a good prep. Uh, so he's my main one. If, if you want a bit of value further down, I would say Robert McIntyre is an interesting one. Uh, he was 12th last year, which got him back into this year. He's played the Open twice, 6th and 8th. So a guy who's immediately slotted into playing well in the majors. And he's had a couple of good runs as well in America. He was top 15 at Riviera. Played pretty good last week in Texas, had three rounds in the 60s. Um, and he says he loves the course. And again, if it's going to be slightly iffy weather, why not have a Scott? Why not? Good shout. Yeah, I saw that on the piece like that. Also seeing Sergio at 66 to 1, Ben, on the sports book. I mean, former winner, 
if it does get a little bit ugly, look at some of the best ball. I thought I thought that was pretty. I thought they were pretty good odds for Sergio heading in. Uh, he's a funny one, Sergio, because since he became a major champion, he's just become awful at majors. And I don't know exactly why that is. I mean, to some degree, he put it right last year. And I tipped him for the Open last year because he, he played better in, I think, the US Open or the P. I think it was the US Open. Um, and he played okay in the Open. Um, I'm, I'm not writing him off as a major player, but it's almost as if he'd won one. And after all those years of trying, he sort of exhaled and, you know, he's, he can't find that intensity again. I, I, I kind of feel like he... I, don't want to say this, but I feel like he might have settled for one. Um, I but totally, totally agree with you. But then you think the magic of coming back to Augusta and yet yeah, Sportsbook paying 10 places and each way little shout might not be a, a bad one. Yeah, he's a bigger price than I think a lot of people would have expected. And the other one, you know, as I keep saying, experience counts for a lot. I think if Paul Casey had been definitely fit, I would have been chancing him. I think you go back 12 months, uh, he was 33 to 1 for this, no bigger than that. And that was because he'd won in Dubai, but, you know, just generally played quite well. Well, I think his form's just as good. Obviously, he was really unlucky in the players. Um, I don't think he would have won anyway, but for, you know, what happened on the 16th hole. But it, it would have been a good second. And he definitely, you know, that allows him to go through another near miss and not really feel like he did anything wrong. A bit like at the USPGA where Morikawa was just, it, you know, found another gear. Um, and, and Casey's got a fabulous record here, but obviously we drew from the match play and it's a bit of an unknown, but it, it, you do get a bit of a price to compensate for that. And you see the same with Bryson and with Matsuyama as well. These guys who have got fitness doubts, at least the market reflects that. And certainly on the exchanges, um, you know, you might be getting up towards 100 on some of these guys in the exchanges, certainly Sergio. So uh, worth a look on there, certainly in the next couple of days. Definitely. And guys, before we finish up, any other names and any anything, any selections maybe from the side markets as well, just before we finish up, Dave, uh, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I did, I did also put up Daniel Berger. Um, yeah. I think he's he should have won the Honda, um, but just got done on the final day. It can happen. He was 10th here on his Augusta debut, which is good. And he, he somehow didn't play the event in 2020, despite it being brilliant. It was just because of the, the way um, the qualification period sort of fell wrongly for him. But a lot of players with that Southern links have done well, haven't they? Who were sort of born and raised in the South. Dustin Johnson, uh, John Spieth, Patrick Reed. Um, that's good for Justin Thomas as well, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. have done well here. So yeah, Bert Berger again. If it's windy, a Floridian wouldn't be bad. He's he's played really well in the wind. So he'd be one I'd look to play maybe in seventy-two hole matches or something like that. But on the outrights as well. Excellent. And don't believe any other names at the forefront of your mind as we uh, just about wrap up our Masters preview. Yeah, I'm sort of surprising myself. I'm going to tip Luke List. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that says Luke List definitely won't win the Masters. You know, he's in his late 30s. He's never really been a world-class player at the very top of the sport. Um, but one of the things that Dave knows, and Matt Cooper's always one who advocates this as well, and and, and various people who, who tip golf, winning recently in the months before a major is, is often one of the best pointers. He did that at Torrey Pines. It was, you know... Long, hard golf course, Torrey Pines, and a good test for majors. He played here in 2005 as an amateur. He shot 77 in round one, then around in the 60s to make the cut, which is a brilliant effort for an amateur. I mean, if you shoot 77 on day one as an amateur, you're going home. Uh, but he fought back. It's his first time he gets to come as a pro. He lives in Augusta. And then I looked again at his major record. He finished sixth at Beth Page in the US PGA. He's only played in five or six majors. With those places, can I see Luke List winning? Probably not. Can I see him? finishing eighth at a big price on a week where I do think the course will play really, really long. 
Absolutely. Um, until last week, he was the number one player from Tees to Green on the PGA Tour. So, um, you know, there's lots to like. And, and there's a final thing with him. He reminded me a bit of Matsuyama because Matsuyama in the Texas Open last year started like a house on fire and then just played three modest rounds. Augusta next week, he did it for four. And Luke List did that last week, just about favourite after round one. Um, and then it all went to pieces for him. So, yeah, he, he's my long shot. Um, I think Keita Nakajima, top uh it could be a top Japanese bet against Hideki Matsuyama. He's an amateur. Hideki's injured. I think you could get a bit of value there. But um, there's so many fun markets to play here, uh, including Will Tiger Woods play, I gather, on the exchange. So, uh, yeah, even before the tournament, there'll be some uh, winners and losers. Exactly. Excellent stuff. And just a reminder, just a summary, before we head off, Ben, your your pick for the winner, JT? Yeah, um, I'm going to stick with him and I might be back here in one year saying same again if he doesn't win it this time. At least if he does win it, I can I can back somebody else next year. Definitely. And Dave, your uh, Masters Trends uh, feature on the website, McElroy coming out yeah. in that pole position. Yeah, I'm happy to have Rory running for me, but um, that's maybe the numbers pick. My own sort of brain pick would be Xander Schaffler, I think. Yeah. The Olympic champion, it's time for him to win a major. Definitely. Good stuff, guys. A pleasure as always. And we are back for more because we're going to do a midway podcast as well. Back on Saturday morning to discuss what we've seen the last couple of days and look ahead to the final couple of rounds. So uh, Dave and Ben will be back with me for that. Do keep checking out all the extra tipping content on the website as well, betting.betfair.com. Steve Rawlings will be blogging throughout the tournament as well, in-play updates. We'll have three ball and two ball tips uh, every day of the tournament. And we are back for our Midway uh, Masters uh, podcast on Saturday. Do tune in for that. Uh, But for now, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the tips so far. I'll be back with Dave and Ben on Saturday. Hope you can join us then. Please gamble responsibly. 